Section 31 of Fabiola by Nicholas Patrick Cardinal Wiseman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Part Second Conflict. Chapter 12. The Nomenton Villa. The Nomenton Road goes from Rome eastward, and between it and the Salarian there is a deep ravine, beyond which, on the side of the Nomenton Way, lies a gracefully undulating ground. Amidst this is situated a picturesque round temple, and near it a truly beautiful basilica dedicated to St. Agnes. Here was the villa that belonged to her, situated about a mile and a half from the city, and thither it had been arranged that the two, now the three, newly consecrated, would repair, to spend the day in retirement and tranquil joy. Few more such days, perhaps, would ever be granted them. We need not describe this rural residence, except to say that everything in it breathed contentment and happiness. It was one of those genial days which a Roman winter supplies. The rugged Apennines were slightly powdered with snow, the ground was barely crisp, the atmosphere transparent, the sunshine glowing, and the heavens cloudless. A few grayish curls of melting smoke from the cottages and the leafless vines alone told that it was December. Everything living seemed to know and love the gentle mistress of the place. The doves came and perched upon her shoulder or her hand. The lambs in the paddock frisked and ran to her the moment she approached, and took the green fragrant herbs, which she brought them, with evident pleasure. But none owned her kindly sway so much as old Mollusus, the enormous watchdog. Chained beside the gate, so fierce was he that none but a few favorite domestics durst go near him. But no sooner did Agnes appear than he crouched down and wagged his bushy tail and whined till he was let loose, for now a child might approach him. He never left his mistress's side. He followed her like a lamb, and if she sat down he would lie at her feet, looking into her face, delighted to receive, on his huge head, the caresses of her slender hand. It was indeed a peaceful day, sometimes calm and quiet, soft and tender, as the three spoke together of the morning's happiness and of the happier morning of which it was a pledge, above the liquid amber of their present skies, sometimes cheerful and even merry, as the two took Cecilia to task for the trick she had played them. And she laughed cheerily, as she always did, and told them she had a better trick in store for them yet, which was that she would cut them out when that next morning came, for she intended to be the first at it and not the last. Fabiola had, in the meantime, come to the villa to pay her first visit to Agnes after her calamity, and to thank her for her sympathy. She walked forward, but stopped suddenly on coming near the spot where this happy group was assembled. For when she beheld the two who could see the outward brightness of heaven, hanging over her who seemed to hold all its splendor within her soul, she saw at once, in the scene, the verification of her dream. Yet unwilling to intrude herself unexpectedly upon them, and anxious to find Agnes alone, and not with her own slave and a poor blind girl, she turned away before she was noticed, and walked towards a distant part of the grounds. Still, she could not help asking herself why she could not be cheerful and happy as they. Why was there a gulf between them? But the day was not destined to finish without its clouds. It would have been too blissful for earth. Besides Fabiola, another person had started from Rome to pay a less welcome visit to Agnes. This was Fulvius, who had never forgotten the assurances of Fabius, that his fascinating address and brilliant ornaments had turned the weak head of Agnes. He had waited till the first days of mourning were over, and he respected the house in which he had once received such a rude reception, 
or rather suffered such a summary ejection having ascertained that for the first time she had gone without her parents or any male attendants to her suburban villa he considered it a good opportunity for pressing his suit he rode out of the nomenton gate and was soon at agnes's he dismounted said he wished to see her on important business and after some importunity was admitted by the porter he was directed along a walk at the end of which she would be found the sun was declining and her companions had strolled to a distance and she was sitting alone in a bright sunny spot with old molasses crouching at her feet the slightest approach to a growl from him rare when he was with her made her look up from her work of tying together such winter flowers as the others brought her while she suppressed by raising a finger this expression of instinctive dislike fulvius came near with a respectful but freer air than usual as one already assured of his request i have come lady agnes he said to renew to you the expression of my sincere regard and i could not have chosen a better day for brighter or fairer scarcely the summer sun could have bestowed fair indeed and bright it has been to me replied agnes borne back in mind to the morning scene and no sun in my life has ever given me fairer it can only give me one more fair fulvius was flattered as if the compliment was to his presence and answered the day no doubt you mean of your espousals with one who may have won your heart that is indeed done she replied as if unconsciously and this is his own precious day and was that wreath veil upon your head placed there in anticipation of this happy hour yes it is a sign my beloved has placed upon my countenance that i recognize no lover but himself and who is this happy being i was not without hopes nor will i renounce them yet that i have a place in your thoughts perhaps in your affections agnes seemed scarcely to heed his words there was no appearance of shyness or timidity in her looks or manner no embarrassment even spotless without and innocent within she feared no danger for she knew no sin her childlike countenance remained bright open and guileless her eyes mildly beaming looked straight upon fulvius's face with an earnest simplicity that made him almost quail before her she stood up now with graceful dignity as she replied milk and honey exhaled from his lips as the blood from his stricken cheek impressed itself on mine she is crazed fulvius was just beginning to think when the inspired look of her countenance and the clear brightness of her eye as she gazed forward towards some object seen by herself alone overawed and subdued him she recovered in an instant and again he took heart he resolved at once to pursue his demand madam he said you are trifling with one who sincerely admires and loves you i know from the best authority yes the best authority that of a mutual friend departed that you have been pleased to think favorably of me and to express yourself not opposed to my urging my claims to your hand i now therefore seriously and earnestly solicit it i may seem abrupt and informal but i am sincere and warm be gone from me food of corruption she said with calm majesty for already a lover has secured my heart for whom alone i keep my troth to whom i entrust myself with undivided devotion one whose love is chaste whose caress is pure whose brides never put off their virginal wreaths fulvius who had dropped on his knees as he concluded his last sentence and had thus drawn forth that severe rebuke rose filled with spite and fury at having been so completely deluded is it not enough to be rejected he said 
after having been encouraged what must insult be heaped on me too and must i be told to my face that another has been before me to-day sebastian i suppose again who are you exclaimed an indignant voice behind him that dare to utter with disdain the name of one whose honour is untarnished and whose virtue is as unchallenged as his courage he turned round and stood confronted with fabiola who having walked for some time about the garden thought she would now probably find her cousin disengaged and by herself she had come upon him suddenly and had caught his last words fulvius was abashed and remained silent fabiola with a noble indignation continued and who too are you who not content with having once thrust yourself into my kinswoman's house to insult her presume now to intrude upon the privacy of her rural retreat and who are you retorted fulvius who take upon yourself to be imperious mistress in another's house one replied the lady who by allowing my cousin to meet you first at her table and there discovering your designs upon an innocent child feels herself bound in honour and duty to thwart them and to shield her from them she took agnes by the hand and was leading her away and molossus required what he never remembered to have received before but what he took delightedly a gentle little tap to keep him from more than growling when fulvius gnashing his teeth muttered audibly haughty roman dame thou shalt bitterly rue this day and hour thou shalt know and feel how asia can revenge End of section 31